a good one, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the latest edition of Nick's Nonfiction, maybe the greatest of all time. Today we've got Friedrich Nietzsche's Thus Spake Zarathustra. Seriously, maybe my favorite book ever. This guy, you know him, he has a 600 IQ, and he still couldn't get laid. He's a personal favorite on the program. Friedrich's got to make the return every year, and this time it's set in. It's about a mid-twenties man named Zarathustra. Yeah, he's not getting any with that name. And he goes out into the mountains, quote, he returns to tell the world that God is dead and that the superhuman, the human embodiment of divinity, is his successor. You think he's a nihilist, like your teacher told you. He's saying we need to kill God so we can move past it. Humanity created God. God didn't create humanity. Yo, that was a good one. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're all stuck with this slave mentality that he warned us against, and all of his underlings, Sigmund Freud and even Hitler, tried to rip him off. The Ubermensch is not about a pure Aryan race. <laughs> what was Nietzsche's biggest problem? Nothing. <laughs> Why can't Nietzsche use pencils? They're all pointless. In this book, Nietzsche argues that, quote, the meaning of existence is not to be found in religious pieties or meek submissions to authority, but in all-powerful life, passionate, chaotic, and free. The most alive you feel is when you're getting good at something, becoming your best self, your ubermensch inside. No undermen are listening to this show at this point. We're like three years in, and this is going to take us back to the roots. I mean it. I'm here for the entire episode. This is one of the best. And homie is an enigma. He had a fucking giant must. He never got laid with that Bismarck beautiful stash. Sad, sad life. Sarte, Thomas Mann, all these guys couldn't walk in the shadow of Nietzsche. <laughs> We're going to the bottom of the abyss today. Hegel, Nietzsche, Aristotle walk into a bar. Why? <laughs> the final chapter, he brings together all of the characters for a last supper. Epic people. If Nietzsche was a Rastafarian, he would have had existential dreads. <laughs> we will be right back after a topical advertisement. About the author Friedrich Nietzsche, we'll skate by it. We've done it once before. Also, check out Harry Schwann on Instagram, Funniest Memes on the Block, and Patreon.com slash The Niche Hikes. We're doing reactions on the monthly. Whip clips better than ever. My friends, they tell me I'm a nihilist. I say, what do you mean? I'm not from Egypt. <laughs> he was the youngest person, Nietzsche, to ever hold the chair of classical philology. It was at the University of Basel. This guy was 24 years old. Early riser, and the rest of his life was totally sad. He had like a 10-year good run from 1870 to 1880, and then his body collapsed. One of his lungs fell off the stalk, and his brain went dead. And that was at the age of 44. Just take a minute. I don't want to get too stoic off the bat. How much time do you have left? Maybe you're on borrowed time. He wrote The Birth of Tragedy on the use and abuse of history and life. We did uh, Beyond Good and Evil here. Maybe we'll read The Gay Science. <laughs> yeah, he wrote this book at the end of his career, so it really encapsulates all of the previous works. You're going to love this one. What does a philosophy major get you as a job? A deep fryer. <laughs> 
What did the nihilistic superhero wear? A futility belt. One more ad before we start this epic. The Nietzsche. Thus spake Tharasotra, chapter 1. God is dead. Quote, when Zarathustra was 30 years old, he left his home and the lake of his home and went into the mountains. Here he had the enjoyment of his spirit and his solitude, and he did not weary of it for 10 years. He was 30, now he's 40. Then one day, on a whim, he woke up and decided to return among the people. Among! Like the setting sun, he says, I must descend from the mountaintop and go under. And they put it in quotations in my translation. I think under might have had a cooler phraseology in Germany. Like he's about to go mentally under. He's going to reintegrate. On the way to the city, he runs into this old man. And it's like his first impression of a human for 10 years, apparently. The old man and him are speaking the same language. I grew sick of the imperfections of society. And the old man says something that Zarathustra doesn't agree with. I believe in God only. And he has this big quote. He tells Zarathustra that mankind doesn't need the gift he brings, but rather help. They need someone to lighten their load and give them alms. So this guy probably has 20 years on Zarathustra. Zarathustra saying, I'm about to go into the city and tell everybody they could be better. You don't need God. You could be better yourself. Quote, Zarathustra registers with surprise that the old man had not heard that God is dead. Nietzsche gets all friggin' edgy on him. Why are you trying to impress this old man? He's heard everything. Yeah, we're only on the second page, literally, of the book, and he drops his most famous quote. God is dead, old head. Get with the times. <laughs> I just think technology is our god now. We could have opted out once we had farming equipment and used it to lighten our load. That's what he said in the quote. We want to use these things. Yeah, we're just using technology to spy on each other. The conversation goes on and Zarathustra explains himself. He's like, yeah, God, it's not that he doesn't exist. It's just that God is no longer universally accepted as giving meaning to our life. Like I said, get with the times, old head. I don't get the same jitters when I walk into a church as my grandma would get. That probably made her wet. The meaning can't last. I'm saying I have God in my pocket. I could Google anything. Technology performs miracles. For real. Zarathustra doesn't heed the old man's advice and he heads back into town and he preaches this philosophy of the overman. And so this is Zarathustra quoting Nietzsche. Quote from his previous book, Man is a rope between beast and overman and must be overcome. The way across is dangerous, but it must not be abandoned for underworldly hopes. Damn. This is like Nietzsche about to die, thinking if he was a kid, able to give his best ideas to people. And so in this situation, he's speaking in dualities, you know, so that dummies can understand. If you just chase your vices, you're going to the underworld. And hell is a place on earth. If you're addicted to meth, you might as well be in hell. Hell is probably run by fucking vices. There's mansions if you're one of Satan's best demons. My point is that heaven probably has this reward system that we can't even understand. You're not dealing with money in heaven. When you do good in heaven, your dick gets bigger. You know what I'm saying here? And this is like Nietzsche in your mind. Stop chasing things that you think make you feel good. Way too deep. Way too pompous for his first sermon for all the people to understand. So he goes back to the old man 
and like I just probably turned the listeners off, but everyone that's been here since the beginning, you're on the level. Old man says to Zarathustra, you know, I know you're not really into hope anymore. You're a 40-year-old hermit in the mountains, but that's what the people need. And you just went in there telling them they're at fault. You got to tell people it's not your fault. You have hope. <laughs> yeah, we're past that at this point in Nick's nonfiction. You suck and you need to be better. <laughs> the old guy kind of drops this faith versus will point that Nietzsche has on him. We'll get into that later, I think. But this is the problem of every young philosopher, anybody who has a brain, people th like you think you could change other people's ways. And at a point in your journey, it it's not going to happen. <laughs> like, yes, everything would be better. If people just stood up for themselves. It's not that's not how things work. And the old man is going, I've seen every way of the world. The only way to get people to understand is through motivation. For real, there's so many different languages to go through, but like, since I was 14, guys, I've been obsessed with motivational speakers. I've gone through every single guru in the book. Right now, I'm on Tommy Bailu or whatever that guy's name is. You could tell he feels it. He believes in what he's saying. Nietzsche's whole career is going deep on how religion robs you of agency. If you put all of that into the hands of a spaghetti monster, I think it loses some of its value. And just to, I said spaghetti monster. Hey, God, what about my dead infant brother? Does Catholicism have a prayer for that? <laughs> and I'm just playing the part, the Nietzsche for today. Quote, I urge you people to remain faithful to this world and this life, yet to feel contempt for all your two human happiness, reason, virtue, justice, and pity. Fuck. He went back to the city and he's saying, yes, you guys can have your faith. But you need to feel angry at all your human virtue, your pity. And everyone is still turned off. Like, you need to be more likable, Nietzsche. <laughs> you got to flip it for real advice. Like, turn the hunger into fuel. Turn the anger into fire. He's probably getting fucking tomatoes thrown at him here. Quote, on hearing this, the people laugh at Zarathustra. Zarathustra suggests that while it is still possible to breed the overman, humanity is becoming increasingly tame and domesticated and will soon be able to breed only the underman. Like, he's not wrong. <laughs> he's just saying to everybody in a crowd, hey, all of your kids are going to be dumb. Like, what, you came down from the mountains to spread eugenics? Is this really the message you wanted to spread? You're right, Nietzsche, but you're a fucking douchebag. You got to tell people to be better so their kids are better. I've made the mis- and it's funny. It's- <laughs> he needs to, like, define his niche a little bit more. He's running his mouth. You know what happens was invented by man as a construct. And someone chimed in from the crowd finally. D I don't want to be an ubermensch. That's what the guy said. <laughs> it's pretty funny. He's like- Wait, so I have to struggle and go to the top of the mountain? Yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> the heckler is getting the biggest laugh in the crowd. And this is like, this is my old bit. Um, I don't want to go to heaven. I want to feel good now. <laughs> you know, we're all searching for whatever the fuck that is. It's kind of the concept of Nietzsche's nihilism. I don't want to have to go to the top of the mountain. Well, you have to. It doesn't end there. Fucking, we're a losing team. This is what the crowd is. Humanity? I don't want to. 
fuck, that was my first real nihilistic take for the day. <laughs> We're a losing team. We just keep getting wiped out after catastrophe of giving our agency away. <laughs> I don't know, this guy's openly saying without shame, I don't want to be an ubermensch. So we got to credit this dullard or whatever. It goes on, quote, just then... A tightrope walker begins walking between two towers in the town. You know, it's <laughs> maybe it's symbolism for him getting heckled, and now he's having to walk the tightrope. I think it's a bigger symbolism, like it's supposed to represent man. He said is the connection between the ubermensch and the undermensch. That's the tightrope you are walking. Don't fall off and become an addict. You got to try to make it to whatever your future is. Quote, a jester comes out behind him, following him and mocking him for being so awkward and moving so slowly. You see, people are going to make fun of you for making progress. Suddenly, the jester jumps right over the tightrope walker, upsetting him and making him fall to the ground. <laughs> Zarathustra, he leans over to the dying man. He says, fear not, for there is no hell and there is no devil. <laughs> and the guy, he's still dying. He goes... Well, I think that my life has been meaningless, Zarathustra suggests. You have made danger your vocation. There is nothing contemptible in that. It was a pretty gay response, so then everybody left. But there's some big plot points going on here. He lost to the crowd to try to help this other guy up. Quote, on his way out, the jester approaches him and warns him to leave. The jester says that Zarathustra is disliked here by the good and the just and by the believers in true faith. Only because Zarathustra isn't taken seriously is he allowed to live. Fuck. Good thing these clowns came out of nowhere. Otherwise, people would have thought he was crazy. <laughs> like, they are going, oh, this was a bit. We can let him leave now. <laughs> Holy shit, man. This is great. He spends the night sleeping with the jester. They're forming a new plan. Sleeping with each other? Let's hope that was a rough German translation. Quote, He reawakens with the conviction that he must give up preaching to the masses and seek out like-minded companions to join him. Rather than be a shepherd who leads the herd, he must lure people away from the herd. Yo, that's like Jesus unshepherding people from the empire. Yeah, is the tightrope walker. All of that is supposed to represent Christ becoming in touch with the inner God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. It's all the same. And we're still in chapter one. Let me academic this up. Marshall McLuhan, my boy, he called this the death of polite society. So you could call it God is dead or whatever you want. We're on the tightrope now. Is humanity going to make it to the next step? And that is cyborgism, omnipotence, having the knowledge in your head. So seriously, we can become gods with technology, even though Nietzsche didn't know that. <laughs> Zarathustra, he comes to terms at the end of the chapter. To get the attention of people, you're going to have to break the laws and their values. Mm. Content creation. Skipping over grace, humor, he's going straight to anarchy. What could go wrong? Chapter 2, Metamorphosis. He said he was done preaching, but that's not the truth. He goes to smaller towns and keeps working out his material. He went to a town called Motley Cow. What? Does this have symbolism? Ladies and gentlemen, 
at the Motley Cow Theater, Motley Crow. Kickstart my udders. <laughs> Dr. Feel Cud. <laughs> Motley Cow, is this a real place? There's a famous thing here, his like three-step metamorphosis, how a man becomes an overman. The camel, the lion, the child. For the camel, one must renounce one's comforts, exercise self-discipline uh, for the sake of knowledge and for strength. I'm pretty sure my uh, girlfriend thinks I'm a camel. After sex, she keeps calling me the two-hump chump. <laughs> then comes the lion. One must assert one's independence, saying no to all outside influence and commands. And then finally, the child is uh, creation. For all this woo-woo crap, he snaps right back into empirical mode. Quote, those who assert that the self is really spirit are despisers of the body. People that say you are only a spirit. Uh, there's more neurons in your gut than in a cat's brain. He says, who have a sick body that hates life and wants to die? Yeah, so every yoga chick who cares about their chakras aligning, they're afraid to die. Your body is part of you. You're not a spirit, bitch. <laughs> You're both. He follows it up with a really good quote. This one's about, like, suffering. We learn and grow most from moments of suffering and intense feeling. They make us unique. They should not be shared for fear of losing this uniqueness. They should not be shared. I don't know. He just said you got to torture yourself for views. <laughs> um you got to break your values, he was saying. This is some undercover stoicism. I said before, turn the pain into pleasure. I have this as a note. The number one negative reported emotion is regret. And this is by adults. Fucking traumatic pain isn't as bad as having a regret. <laughs> it's a pain of the mind. Fuck. Yeah, a lot of stoicism from Nietzsche here. No, you're supposed to lay down and die. Sure. He does fall into here, though, a lot of this, like, the present moment. Fucking Eastern philosophy. Okay, which present moment should I live in? This one? Or this one? Or this one? Or this one? <laughs> it's all the present moment, but there is no... Shut up with that shit. Zarathustra. He's on the outskirts of Motley Cow. It's a bad town. He sees a murder take place. Quote, Though he was perfectly capable of murder... He was repelled afterward by the thought of what he'd done. His crime is not so much that he murdered, but that he was driven to it by his weakness and was subsequently racked with guilt. Woo! You've seen the meme. Professionals have standards. He's sounding like Dostoevsky here. Racked with guilt. Dostoevsky, he was telling people you have to be good so that society could pass. Nietzsche, he's telling you to be great. The point he's making here is there's satisfaction in a job well done. Even if you're a thief, if you do a half-assed job, you're going to feel bad about yourself. <laughs> Rob, kill somebody to completion. Uh, he says, Zarathustra, he meets another guy. Uh, it's a peculiar character, a wealthy man. He's telling him about going into the woods for a few days. I bemoan widespread literacy since it has encouraged writers to simplify their work for the masses. <laughs> Artists do be tailoring their work for the masses. <laughs> Bro, like you're only relevant if you trend Jack nowadays. I don't know who this guy was. 
some smart guy on the side of the woods is counteracting what the old man told him. Old man is going, make your message for dumb people. And this guy is going, actual smart people bemoan when you make your stuff too dumb to handle. That's why I'm saying we do separate episodes here. This is an all-time classic. Zarathustra, he goes back to the mountainside. He has conflicting ideas, and he wins a personal battle. He finds kids playing outside one day, and he entertains them the entire day and says he's able to leave them with a positive message. And yeah, if you fail at entertaining adults, you got to entertain kids or something. (laughs) He's going through the metamorphosis. Yo, he learned to create again as a child. Boom. That's literary irony, bish. Quote, we master the technical aspects of an art form only by learning the rules and the ways that people have done things in the past. (laughs) Me out here reading Nietzsche, learning how to tell a story. Literally, people, if you want to get good at something, look at the greats in that aspect. And he's saying in the context of the story, he hasn't met an overman yet, but how is he going to do you got to become your own at a certain point. So I don't like that he's saying we're all ma- there are masters of technical arts. I think you got to kill your heroes at some point. AWOL Nation, I say you kill your heroes and fly, fly, suck off a guy. <laughs> That was a good song back in the day. Middle schooler motivation. (laughs) Final quote for the chapter. The Ubermensch has risen so high that there is nothing that he doesn't look down upon. Very elitist. Zarathustra praises levity and laughter because the Overman has nothing left to look up to. Nothing to take seriously. Dude, the guy in a woods was right. (laughs) It's a trap to take yourself seriously. It's a trap to take positions of authority or even god too seriously how dare i say glory beyond high we only have fucking laughter and music that we could trust motley cow chapter three faith versus will it's the shortest chapter of the lot he's got like three famous parables in here the themes carry over Quote, the state has become the new idol that the masses worship. It encourages uniformity, mediocrity, and pandering. (laughs) See, the art isn't good because everybody's tailoring to the masses. A new idol that we worship, he says, is the state. So I've been trying to put this into prose for years. Everybody's just worshiping D's and R's. I've done all this before, man. We have a uniparty. It's do you support the thing or do you not support the thing? It's not even left versus right anymore. Huxley predicted this. Like, rational politics are gone once you breed the minds of the older. So what I said before, Marshall McLuhan, polite society has ended. It's all virtue. We got some good quotes in here. Freedom can only be found outside the confines of the state. Remember in like the 60s when they used to have equal time representation on each station? That doesn't exist. Everybody's in echo chambers, so you don't have to be polite anymore. And no one's going to think of the new idea from inside. You need a free exchange. Zarathustra, in this chapter, yes sir, he goes to the marketplace. And he's going there trying to write, trying to observe the people. He's like, I can't concentrate. His mind feels like quote flies buzzing around flute fruit flute loops 
He concurs, creativity demands isolation from meddlesome crowds. Hmm. And then he goes to talk about women a little bit. I suggest that women are not capable of friendship, only love. Men and women. We definitely got to read the inferior sex book. <laughs> He's getting platonic here. There are different kinds of friendships. So let's move on to something you actually wrote. Quote, If you have been wronged, you are better off releasing your anger through a little revenge than in letting it build up inside. Someone who wrongs you has done you good, and you would put him to shame if you were to turn the other cheek. <gasps> Dude! <laughs> He's in a religious time, and he just said turning the other cheek is gay. What, you gonna turn your ass cheek for a man? Oh! What the heck? He says everything wrong, but it kind of makes sense. You need to make people be stronger by feeling their shame. So religion is doing shame wrong. You can make people grow with shame, or you can make them cower and wait until the afterlife. I don't know. They're all the same to me. Like, Buddhists also are trying to meditate off the fact we're approaching bad times. Religion isn't the answer anymore, is my point. Yeah, I'm an asshole. I still kind of believe there might be something up there. He's going, we can't be sure that God is going to exact justice in the afterlife. <laughs> yeah, you got to take your anger out on your villains now. Because how do we know God's going to do it? <laughs> like, you tell yourself the lie. Oh, that bully, the guy who was mean to me. Yeah, God is going to take care. Nah, your bully is going to have more bitches in heaven than you. Literally, it's internal justice that we project into an afterlife. Whoa. Proof, please. Um, yeah, this is really between good and evil here. It's faith versus will, he says. I think he's missing part of the equation. There's faith, there's will, and there's chance. Like, you have to have faith, and you have to will yourself that faith will take you there. But there's also chance. People that try hard get screwed over, and people that don't try hard get very lucky. It's not just those two, Friedrich. Final quote, eating each Ubermensch must find his own mountain peak. One can speak about the difficulties of climbing and the rewards at the top, but he cannot guide others in climbing their own mountains. After all, one is familiar only with one's own mountain. Yo! <laughs> Literally, it's not selfish. If everybody focused on themselves, the world starts getting better. Chapter 4, Master-Slave Morality. Zarathustra, he retreats to his favorite mountain to process all of these new messages. He has a dream where a child gave him a mirror, and in the mirror he saw the reflection of the devil. So he thinks it's an allegory. His enemies are perverting his techniques while he's away. So he's saying, I gotta get back before my shadow gets bigger. Dropped a good quote here. A belief in God inhibits creativity because a creative God would leave nothing left for us to create. Yo. Whoa. I might need a few moments for that one. I also like his quote, um, Nature knows no God, only creation and destruction. Yo, why would God give us the ability to create if he created everything? Wow, dude. Yo! That's one of the best premises you'll ever hear. Fuck me. The antidote to misery, he says, is helping people. 
that's a way to create. Why isn't God creating help for these people? Yeah. He says, priests teach us to pity the poor. And that's another bad teaching. This is a survival of the fittest motherfucker out here. Why are we taking advice from him? <laughs> You'll see. He's the nature boy. And he's saying we're acting in terms of nature in society. Nietzsche, he's going to Easter in the city. Religion promises you rewards for being virtuous. Virtue in itself is a reward. And again, this is too heady for the people. They don't understand what virtue even means. Saying that you should wear a mask, yo, tweeting about Ukraine isn't helpful. It, you have to donate to them or go there. Like, pressing repost is enough of a dopamine hit for somebody. And people who know about self-help, you need the chase to be bigger than the reward. That's a really big tip. Fucking, he's Nietzsche picked up on it in 1800. Shit, man. Actually go to the Eastern Front if you care. <laughs> Into the meat of this one. He's talking about self-empowerment to the people, finally. Quote, those who preach democracy equally and justice are tarantulas. Secretly, they spread the poison of revenge. Ooh, you know all those feminists, if you gave them the gavel, they would use it to smash guys' balls. Like uh, equality, he's saying, even, uh, even politics, you're using it to get back. It's all a way to exact revenge. People should be allowed to do what they want, but under democracy, every four years... The other 50% gets to hold the hitting stick. That's all it is. We get to chase you guys now. We're not making progress. But where are the two-party system? Yeah, bro, that's a huge quote. Another one. By preaching equality, they seek to avenge themselves on all those who are not their equals. <laughs> they don't actually believe in equality. They know it's fake and they're trying to fucking take things from people. Like, it's not brave for a poor guy to advocate for socialism. You're just trying to get things. You get it. Quote, Life thrives on conflict and self-overcoming. If we were there to make everyone equal, how could we strive for the overman? If everyone's equal, there's never going to be someone better. There has to be a better way. <laughs> That's my only takeaway here. I don't have all the answers. There are people a lot smarter than me. Yeah. He's going, and Ubermensch isn't bred in the system. So this is Philosopher King stuff. Give me the original ideas. Quote, The master morality of the ancient aristocracy and the slave morality that develop among the lower classes and the priestiary class. He's saying Plato's the haves and the have-nots. Literally, if you want to have society, there have to be people who have everything and control it and dullards. That's the only way a society can work. We found this out in negative 2000 in Greece, probably older. The Egyptians, we found the papyrus scrolls, some new leak. The Egyptians are saying they had ancestors 3,500 years old. That's society for you. Quote, the weak resent the power of their masters and resent even more their own inability to enact vengeance upon their masters. The lower guy at your office, he's mad because he doesn't know how to better himself and get to your position. So he's just going to me to you, get you fired. 
He says because they are unable to strike back in any substantial way in this life, the weak invent the idea of an afterlife and of divine justice, which will avenge them. And guys, I don't know if I believe in this. Like, believe in your God if it helps you. This guy makes good points, but I kind of believe. If fucking Bill Gates uses his billion dollars to block out the sun, I genuinely think Satan is going to rape him. No joke. (laughs) Like, and like he said, maybe I'm a loser and I just tell myself that because I'm not a billionaire. Divine justice. If you look at it like it doesn't exist, you will become more powerful. I think that's going to be our takeaway here. If you throw away God, it gives you no choice to become your own. Like, <laughs> I don't think that about myself. I follow gurus. There's this guy, Ed Menkel. He calls himself the chosen one. <laughs> and it's like, you you took it too far, bro. Now nobody can trust you. It's okay to believe that, but don't tell people you think you're the chosen one. Go walk on water, Ed Menkel. We got a fucking hammer of the gods quote here. This is a good one. Divine justice is the invention of people too weak to secure justice for themselves. Basically a reiteration, but just frame it that way in your mind if you're trying to become an ubermensch. Let me bring it full circle. Both capitalism, communism, in theory, they're supposed to ensure that the weak don't have to suffer at the hand of the strong. And that's what every society is. (laughs) Makes no sense. The woods. It's the only answer. Nietzsche, that's his whole fucking master-slave mentality. You give away a lot of your agency when you just say God is taking care of it. (laughs) It gives you a good excuse to be a piece of shit. Yeah, I'm lazy because God made me this way. Yeah, pot makes me lazy. No, you're lazy. Stop attributing your characteristics to other people. (laughs) Chapter 5. Ubermensch. Guys making sense of the world. We're more than halfway through the book here. Returns to Motley Cow. He stops back at the old man on the way to refine the message. Old man gives him this line. It is impossible to serve both the truth and the people. Shit, man. And that's what I'm trying to do there. Say, believe in your God. Like, the truth, the only thing that we know is that there are humans. And you can't serve both the truth and the pe- You have to learn how to lie. And that's going to be his big thing in this chapter. Quote, The pursuit of truth carries no frame and no rewards, but only suffering and sacrifice that strengthens the spirit. Again, personal experience. I don't have a lot of views out here, but telling the truth makes you feel powerful. Zarathustra catches another roaming group of hippies on the outskirts of town. It's actually a bunch of girls, and so he sings and dances for them like the children. Has a mean quote, They're always changing. Women, always seductive, always similar to one another. Knowing that they love one another because of the other, which makes them both jealous as a result. (laughs) Oh my god, you're so hot, but like, I have that outfit too, so now I'm jealous. (laughs) You gotta say it like a chick, Nietzsche. Girls don't make sense. I love you. Now I hate you. It's <laughs> irrational. And he's like saying he got depressed after hanging out with them, whereas inspiring the children make him happy. Quote, until the sunlight, I was unable to justify myself being alive. He's got like 
post nut guilt just for dancing with chicks. <laughs> this isn't your normal pint of Ben and Jerry's depressed. <laughs> he goes back to his favorite mountain to level out again. He combines the old and the new wisdom. He's saying, maybe I do have to lie. Quote, everything that lives obeys. And if you can't obey yourself, someone else will command you. And he takes this quote to the town Motley Crue because he's saying, yeah, this quote serves both the people and the truth. Everything that lives obeys. So if you can't obey your own will, someone else is controlling your will. It's like as good as you're going to get it in a sentence for people. Zarathustra's lecture starts hitting hard around Motley Crue. And he's going, this time, some people aren't going to want to ascend. Remember last time the guy was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I want to be lazy. <laughs> he got ahead of it this time. And he said, you are blessed with contentment. What? So he's learning how to lie with religion. Yeah, you're not lazy. You're not a piece of shit that won't actually do anything. You're just blessed to be content. <laughs> this guy's <is> awesome. <laughs> Big scene here. He comes across a soothsayer while leaving Motley Crue one time. And soothsayers are bigger than him in the city. People go to hear them because they preach the downfall. People thought Zarathustra was a soothsayer before because he was talking about the downfall, but he was trying to empower people. This actual nihilist, the soothsayer, goes, uh, A great future emptiness is imminent, where we will feel incapable of creating anything new, nor even capable of dying out. Shit, man. And so, yes, comparing himself now to the other soothsayers, he's like, I don't want to be that. People were misconceiving me as that. And even though it's their fault for not understanding, it's my fault for not making it more digestible. <laughs> he still has the dick inside of him. Like he talks to the other soothsayer. Yeah, these people are inverse cripples who excel in but one attribute. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Dick. Everybody has a half mind that can only perfect one thing. <laughs> He says, if we can come to see the past as something that we willed, we can find redemption from our suffering and punishment. You know what the punishment for polygamy is? Multiple mother-in-laws. When we fucking, like, distance ourselves from the boomers, it makes us much more likely to burn down society. You gotta try to integrate. <laughs> Not gonna happen. <laughs> like all of history is just blame shifting. You guys started the fire. Blame shifting. Does anyone know how to overcome that? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> Let's go to chapter six, The Return. It's a shorter one. Zarathustra, he's trying out his parables in bigger cities. He has this one about the shepherd gagging on a snake. And then the shepherd bites the head off the snake and spits it out you know it's supposed to represent courage just eat the frog it's a big motivational thing do the hardest thing in your day first it's never as bad as it seems that's his new thing just fucking come on people get with the program <laughs> he goes every moment is a combination of things you've experienced before so there's nothing to be scared of yo he's dropping the reoccurrence of the same it's in a very digestible form. 
You've experienced this before. Don't be scared. I don't know. I think, seriously, the bottom line, if you take away anything today, this is a philosophy of self-help. If you stare into the abyss, it stares back, and you learn how to overcome. You'll climb out of the abyss like Simon Yates. <laughs> Here's a mind-blowing point. He's fucking Nostradamus here. He called the death of God. The townspeople call this cowardice virtue, which they express through a constant aim to please and to gratify. <laughs> And safety is the new virtue. Like, I was born in the 90s. Everything was about danger. The X Games, big air, baby, courage. We're all about safety now. <laughs> this is not a growth mentality. Let me drop on you guys one of my most personal, thought-out philosophies. Like, if I write a book, this is chapter one. The 50-50 philosophy. It came to me in a mushroom trip. I believe it's from the ether. The only way to grow... I believe this, is if you put yourself in a situation where there's a true 50% chance of failure. And like, yeah, you can try things where you have a 10% chance of success. You're going to be demotivated by failure a lot more. A true 50-50, you know it in your heart what it is. And the more you put yourself in those situations, the more you grow. I will take a round of applause for my philosophy there. Write in if that helps you. Uh, Zarathustra, yeah, he goes back to the big city here, the return. This is when it gets good, people. He encounters a successful fool known as Zarathustra's ape. No joke. There's a guy in the city. Every time Zarathustra leaves, he parodies his act. All of you are pieces of shit. You just need to be better. And everybody goes, yeah, that guy sucks. It's good. At least they're getting some humor out of it. <laughs> this is exactly what he was fearing when he looked into the mirror and he saw the devil. Remember, he's like, there's somebody in the city acting out my shadow. And you have to be more powerful than all those underlings trying to grift. He goes, you're not wanted here. This is a city full of small people with small minds. <laughs> Zarathustra cuts to the chase. You're not wrong, but the city is big enough for the two of us. This town is big enough for two. Zarathustra, big quote. You resent the people because they're small and don't give you enough praise. I despise the people out of love for what they could be. So I don't think he's that good of a dude. They both hate the people. But he's going, I hate you. You could be so much better. Let me tell you why. And then this other guy is like, I'm a fool. You all need to love me more. I hate the masses. Ugh. The sophist. <laughs> He told the fool, if you hate the city so much, maybe you should leave. Quote, where one can no longer love, there one should pass by. That's his most loving quote you'll ever get from the pessimist. If you're not finding love or spreading love, leave. <laughs> so he retreats again, thinks how's the best way to kill all these fake acts, comes back to the city and finds out that all of the soothsayers are now preaching God. It's a little too meta now. They just fast-forwarded 500 years, and everybody believes in God again. <laughs> he says, Perhaps when the old gods died, they died from laughter at the God who said, There is one God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. It's a funny situational humor. He needs to update it. Uh, God walks into a bar. He says to the bartender, Where are all the Greek gods? Bartender says, 
they died laughing when you said you were the only god. <laughs> that sucked. The premise is good. He returns back to the mountains at the end of the chapter. He's thinking people will never see the true message. And every day that goes by, people are slipping into a nihilistic message or a woefully unreal optimistic message. As for the sophists, nowadays everybody act like they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move the lips. Just a bunch of gibberish. He's saying Eminem philosophy out here. People got shit to say. Chapter 7, The Retreat. He starts this chapter with a hard-hitting quote. It's about Christianity. Second to last chapter, so we won't go too deep again. We take life too seriously. Attached to the notions of universal good and evil. As if we can only be forgiven for living if we steadfastly follow the good. This is the spirit of gravity, which sees life as a burden to be born. Oh, am I doing good enough? Am I doing good? Am I going to heaven? You are doing karma. Do you not realize it's the same thing? <laughs> you have to get over that shit just to live sometimes. Like, get into God when you're old. To grow and be successful in middle ages. Have him in the back of your mind. <laughs> I don't know, guys. Here's a pretty Chad quote here. The world is in a permanent state of becoming and not in a state of being. Change is the only constant in the universe, and those who preach that there is a fixed moral or end point are trying to deny the dynamism of life. Dynamism. Sounds cooler when you say dynamite. Life is always changing. It's dynamic. So people that say we're moving towards utopia, yeah, they're lying to you. People that say you're moving towards the perfect heaven, they're lying. Maybe there is stuff after this. I think you turn into energy or something. Yeah, someone knows that there's pearly gates. What is these fucking rules? That's why rules are so gay, people. Everything is fluid. Tell me a rule, and I will tell you an exception to that rule. What are the Ten Commandments? Did God fax that down? Is he updating it in heaven? I'm done. What the fuck? The new pope, did you see this? He legalized gay marriage. No. No f Where are these new rules coming from? <laughs> you get the joke. Joy to the world except for gays. It's, he's right. Rules are just for a specific time and place. And a moral is supposed to be an overarching rule that is timeless. And Christianity says they're giving you morals. Meanwhile, they're changing up the playbook. Organized religion. Damn, that's the takeaway. I'm sorry I realized it's so late. You can have your religion, but organized religion might be leading you astray. And perfect timing. This is like the most Y equals MX plus B quote that Nietzsche is going to give you on philosophy. Change is motivated by the will to power. And the will to power is the essential feature of life. you got to get good at things to feel good. So a denial of change amounts to no less than a denial of life. So yeah, you can live by getting worse and just drifting around. Change equals life. Hopefully your change is going in the positive direction. Uh, you'll live if it's going down too. <laughs> but you want the positive change, I'd imagine. 
And all of this is coming from Mr. Groundhog's Day, the guy who lived the same day over and over and over. He did that up until he was like 30, and then he started wandering like all the other philosophers. Quote continues, A desire to see things as fixed motivates us to think that there is one true morality, one true God, one true absolute truth. Damn. So you think he's out here saying, I know the truth. Everyone is living their own truth. He did the final asshole disclaimer. Well, nothing I'm saying really matters. It's my own truth. <laughs> okay, Shaman Nietzsche. <laughs> it's true. Like, that's, again, none of this is reality, people, but it's a different way for us to see the world and a powerful one. Zarathustra, he's feeling like he's learned most of what he's capable of. So rather than descending the mountain, he ascends the mountain and waits there for people to come to him. Obviously, this is a terrible fucking idea. I, <laughs> They got the Sunrise Amphitheater in Boulder. I should just go sit at the top of the mountain and wait there for 10 years for an audience. <laughs> and my last joke, I paraglide off the mountain. It'd be funnier if it malfunctioned. He's uh, waiting one day at the top of the mountain. Zarathustra comes across two kings. Quote, They abandoned their kingdom because they had been made nauseous by the good society of mediocre people. It was in quotes, good society of mediocre people who are eager only to please and to enjoy small pleasures. Virtue, not goodness. Zarathustra is saying to them, I'm looking for the overman, someone who's out for the true good. Wait here, and he's going to arrive. Same day, Zarathustra comes across a doctor in a swamp. This guy is like dipping his hands underwater. He's trying to catch leeches. He tells a bunch of symbolism there. He tells the doctor to wait at the cave for the ubermensch. This is the part of the book that reminds me of um, many will sacrifice for the one, but one won't sacrifice for the many. Like if you told the doctor and the king to wait at society and we will help the many, fuck that, I'm leaving. If you tell them the one is coming, he's going to be, everybody's like, holy shit, I'm about it. I will sacrifice anything for the one. Zarathustra is learning the lie here. I'm the one just so that you can spread a message that helps people. He comes across a magician. The guy couldn't even pull a rabbit out of a hat. And he says, I'm not very good, but I want to be. Zarathustra is like, that's exactly the attitude I'm looking for. Go to the top of the mountain. Next, he comes across the old man, the religious guy. And he tells him his whole story, what he's been up to. He's like, this is a proper journey. I'm there. <laughs> and we know this old guy is wise to all the tricks, but he just wants to see what Zarathustra is cooking up. <laughs> and then <laughs> he then enters the valley where no animals live. He's thinking, this is weird. Where are all the animals? He comes across, quote, the ugliest man who ever lived. <laughs> it was the man that killed God. <laughs> That's funnier than anything I'll ever write. This guy's so ugly, he killed God. <laughs> Jesus. Great symbolism there. He's so ugly, he scared the animals away. A real sleeping beauty. Zarathustra, he actually did consider, like, is this guy so ugly that he's going to scare the rest of the audience away? And then he goes, the soothsayer told me I shouldn't have pity. 
just because this guy's oh no he should be included fuck (laughs) it's half the reason i do hiking videos i want handicapped people to be able to see the outdoors enough about me nick's nonfiction. fuck you late chapter he goes to the soothsayer and he's like i know you're a nihilist piece of crap but i want you at the top of the mountain you have a piece of the uber mentioned side of you as well everybody's there all of them holding a piece of the Ubermensch. What do they call a taxi driver in Germany? An Ubermensch. <laughs> Chapter 8, the final one. Thus spoke syphilis. Some people think Nietzsche's writing was so negative because he had undiagnosed syphilis. He needed a leech doctor. Uh. It's the last chapter. you got to make the final decision on if this guy is a charlatan a soothsayer, a sophist. In absolutely no rush, Zarathustra. He takes a nap by a creek. He has a dream about how perfect the world seems to be. And he's been having nightmares the entire friggin' book. <laughs> Even Nietzsche, the evil nihilist, he has dreams about fluffy sheep. Goes back to the cave, he says, None of you are over, men, and are not what I've been searching for. The ugly man nudges the magician. Well, is this insult comedy? <laughs> Zarathustra says, you are bearing still some of the prejudices of the past. And that's why all these guys in old age can't, they needed to forgive and move on. Very Christly, quote, there is no use in talking to the mob about the overman since they all claim that everyone is equal before God. So this is a pretense to Zarathustra's dinner. If you want to go to dinner with this guy, you got to admit first, not everybody's equal. He's saying that before you come into the cave, all of us here are unequal. And that's why we're going to have a good time. <laughs> so again, let's stop lying. <laughs> what do you tell a classroom full of kids? We're all equal. The kid in the wheelchair raises his hand. But, 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 no questions. We're all equal. <laughs> what the fuck? Everyone takes their seats. Zarathustra cooks up a hearty potato stew. Not a nice meal. They make fun of him for it. Quote, I invited you all here because you represent a bridge to the overman. You each have a piece. He comes clean. There's never going to be a good show. A lot of them <laughs> a lot of them recognized him from the city and were like, you're that guy that was trying to... And he's like, yeah, there's never going to be a good show. Not me, not Zarathustra's fool, not any of these people. The tightrope walker, the fool. The best that we could do is let go of the old and praise the now. Again, I hate this Eastern shit. Bro, there's never going to be the perfect piece of art. I try every single week. <laughs> go listen to some Beatles. Like, it only shines through sometimes for some bands at certain moments, type of thing. Zarathustra steps outside for some uncaved air. He's going, am I losing them? Are they having a good time? It's as good of a time as it's going to be, buddy. (laughs) The magician is singing for everybody inside, and he's saying, all right, there's some levity in the cave. You see how this is Plato's allegory of the cave? Fucking great! This is the best, people. (laughs) The magician, he tries to do a trick for everybody, and he fails. And all of them start singing and telling him it's all right. You see, he's in good company, finally, whereas (laughs) all of these guys were failing on the streets. And it took an audience of people who were all on the same page to understand the act. 
you know, you're here to be entertained. I don't understand. There's never going to be the perfect YouTube video. <laughs> the vibes at the dinner are all-time best, so much so that the doctor and the king start coming clean. The king says, honestly, guys, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing back there. And everyone starts laughing. Zarathustra says laughing at what would normally tick them off. <laughs> you know, they're all back in the fucking allegory cave together. They've retired their roles and they can just exist as their inner beings. This is so esoteric. <laughs> the scientist says science originates in fear. Humans feared other animals and their own animal instincts and refined this fear into science. Wow. I'm gonna have to fucking splunk that idea for the next year. Science equals fear. History equals hope. Yo! Okay, I got fucking ten new premises. Jesus. <laughs> Maybe my favorite quote in any book comes here. For a moment, <laughs> I'm going to get sentimental. Fuck! Shake it off. For a moment, my companions and I have chased away the spirit of gravity. Mm. Bro, that's what I'm telling you. The, the Beatles, the door in the wall, the concept from that book. That's what this is. That's what anybody who's trying to put <laughs> their best product out there is. It's just fucking chasing away the spirit of gravity for a minute. <laughs> All of the people then step outside of the cave. They overlook the mountains. <clears throat> I told you I was going to be honest today. The ugly man says, for the first time, I am satisfied with my entire life. <laughs> Ugh, I can't even talk. My voice isn't working. <sighs> Dude, <laughs> a good dinner. That's what life is. The last supper, son. <laughs> they all thank Zarathustra for bringing them together. He sings a song, summarizes what he learned from the events of the book. All right, here's the tearjerker. Let me spit some dip spit to feel manly. The world is very deep full of deep sorrows and deep joys. But while sorrow and suffering want people to aim for something else, joy wants only itself for all eternity. Because all things in the universe are intimately connected, we cannot wish for an eternity of joy without wishing for the suffering that accompanies the joy. <laughs> End of the show, Nick! It's over! <laughs> is the best one. Joy wants the eternity of all things. Wants deep eternity Zarathustra rises the next morning he finds a lion outside of his cave the metamorphosis is complete <laughs> he takes it to be a sign he's in the right place the overman of the future is coming he waits the whole day he realizes he has overcame his final sin pity <laughs> pity for all the other people in the higher man he was able to actually make the community solidify he ends it with a nuclear bomb maybe not as nuclear as that song <laughs> to be a truly free man you must free yourself of all pity 
When I find myself in times of trouble, Friedrich Nietzsche comes to me, speaking words of realism. Let it be. <laughs> pity. Dude, I don't make these shows because I pity anybody. I think anybody's dumb. I pray for everybody that's out there. We're getting touchy here. There's a connection, bro. I want everybody to fly. That's what this guy was on. For the fucking Christian-hating edgelord that he is. It's pretty baller of him to do a Last Supper remix as the final scene in one of his last books. Even though he hates God. Jesus, bro. Friedrich Nietzsche out here empowering us with Thus Spake Varasutra. From the bottom of the abyss to the top of the mountain, we're coming back every single week. Nick's nonfiction. Seriously, thank you guys who have been here since the beginning of the show and since the beginning of Nick's nonfiction. This is one of these books that make you feel like you grew a decade of wisdom by reading it. Got to integrate all that wisdom and shit. But I'm honored to have gotten to share it with you guys. Pick yourself up a copy. Boom. And on we are to the next week. July 1st. We have got the theory of poker. Usually gaming the stock market. This time we're going to be gaming dealers. Yeah, I'm trying to calculate risk out here in every conceivable way. A poker book should be good for that. It's all about game theory. So it's not very specific seven-card stud we're going to be getting into. I'm going to try to meta this up and make some tangible lessons for everybody. And maybe we will talk about the market, throw in some Michael Lewis in July. Regularly scheduled programming next week, as always, here on Nick's Nonfiction. A big fat thank you once again to the listener. Love you guys, for real. Check out Harry Schwant on Instagram to lighten your mood at the end of every night. Patreon for some premium content. Let me get a random soundboard effect. Close this bad boy out. Friedrich Nietzsche. Thus spake their sutra. Nick's nonfiction. Scratching that itch of novelty and knowledge every single Tuesday. See you all in seven short days. Peace.